Welcome to Just Us and the Climate, a podcast by the Climate Justice Coalition, where we bring climate change back down to earth and show how it's not only a crisis, but an opportunity to build a better and more just world. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Us and the Climate. My name's Lauren Liebenberg and I'll be hosting a discussion today on the Messina Mercado Special Economic Zone. This is the second in a two-part series that trains a lens on this industrial development. I thought before I introduced our guests who will be participating in the discussion today that we could take five minutes to recap on what actually is the Messina Mercado Special Economic Zone. So the Messina Mercado Special Economic Zone is basically a coal-fueled industrial mega project in the Vembe district of Limpopo province, and that's Limpopo's northernmost district. The Chinese South African state-backed Special Economic Zone, which is kind of a reboot of the old industrial development zone concept, um, is the undergirding, let's say, of a extremely ambitious industrialization and urbanization plan for this very remote region based on the exploitation of what are largely unexploited coal resources of the greater Sotransburg coal field. The steel manufacturing energy metallurgical zone, as of the says, as it's officially designated, is the keystone project, the project that is intended to unlock those coal resources and will drive extensive coal mining in the district. Um, because an ore smelter and the power plant that will power it create a purpose-built buyer, in effect, right on the very edge of the coal pits, coal, of course, being a primary raw material of steel, and this um, industrial zone is intended to produce um, at least 5 million tons of crude steel annually and will is set to sort of in, to, to increase South Africa's steel manufacturing production by a factor of two to three. So the zone will be supplied by the 12 new open cast coal mines that will be developed in the region um, in, in close proximity, in fact, to the industrial zone. And will also um, it will also fund the dedicated infrastructure in both power, water, and transport infrastructure that will enable the export not just of the zone's metallurgical output, but of the raw coal as well. Although we dedicated quite a lot of airtime to exploring the overall environmental um, and economic impacts of this industrial development plan for the Vembe, in the first episode, we did not really even touch on community impacts. And we'd felt that it's deserving of a dedicated episode to have an in-depth discussion on the real impact on real people living in the Vembe of this of the Messina Moscato Special Economic Zone and the coal mining that will accompany it. Joining us in studio to help us explore these issues um, of community impacts of the MMSEZ is Makoma Lekalakala of Earthlife Africa 
And dialing in remotely from Limpopo is Mpateleni Makulule, who is co-founder of Dizumola Mupo. First of all, I'd like to introduce you all to Makoma Lekalakala of Earthlife Africa. Earthlife Africa is a non-profit organization that's been advocating for environmental justice and sustainable development in South Africa for over three decades. Makoma is a director of Earthlife Africa and has herself long been active in civil society and social justice movements in the country. In more recent years, Makoma has focused on targeting environmental corruption. And she and Earthlife Africa, together with um, Living Limpopo, and a number of other activist organizations have been heavily involved in the campaign to oppose the Messina Makata Special Economic Zone in Lapopo. Earthlife um, is party to one of the high court applications that has been brought against environmental authorization for the zone, um, but it is their extensive grassroots community engagements in the Vembe that we're keen to talk about today. So, Makoma... Let's start this discussion with the fact that our says, our Messina Mercado says, has been approved, as in granted environmental authorization, on the basis of the environmental impact assessment that encompassed the public participation process. And I'm going to ask you to describe, based on your own experience of it and what you witnessed, one how the public participation process unfolded, and secondly, your opinion on the extent to which people's right to free, prior and informed consent has been respected here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lauren. The way the public uh, participation processes were done, yes, I think all the boxes were ticked, uh, that uh, there were advertisements in newspapers, in local radio stations, but because people were not informed, so you could see that uh, not a lot of people came to these public participation meetings. The first ever public participation meeting of this project that took place in Musina, it was mostly the activists that uh, we work with, Mm. and not the broader communities. And if they came, it was a matter of wanting to know more. But what was presented mostly was too kind of technical and not um, being explained in layman's language. But also what we realized as we participated in some of um, public participation meetings was that what happened from our side, we were asking questions. When all the other issues were presented, um, what would be the pros and cons of um, the the project? And we didn't hear much of the cons. We had much of the pros of the project. What we found is that um, people were much more interested, especially those who wanted to, who supported the project, wanted to know more about the jobs, obviously, because of some of the material conditions on the ground that uh, people are looking for jobs, but people did not look beyond that um, around jobs. And the numbers kept on changing, that we had 20,000, we had, and, 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 and those jobs were not explained to say, because we asked questions around, if you say 20,000 jobs, what kind of jobs are those? Um, and the jobs obviously are not decent jobs. You cannot desecrate your four bearers' uh, graves and then 
take that as a decent job. You cannot uproot the natural uh, habitat around you that you rely so much on and call it a decent job. Those are not decent jobs. And uh, the explanation of local jobs was also not very clear because we did ask, what do you mean by local? And the local was not that explicit because that's what was promised, that local jobs, about 20,000, and next thing the number rose to another number. Next thing it was, it was just very Mm. fluctuating. Mm. So I would say that... um, Yes, the process was done, boxes were ticked, but then that was not really a fair process in a sense that even when you wanted answers, they were not formally uh, given to, 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 to all the interested and affected parties. And at a later stage, when there was an attempt to provide answers to the questions that were, were asked during the meetings, um, that was not adequate. Mokoma, I couldn't agree more with your, with your overall assessment of the, of the public participation process and how flawed it was. So I just want to pick up on a couple of points that you've raised here, both at Messina and at Mercado. You've got community members in attendance, some of whom appear to be supporters of the project and antagonistic towards anyone who appeared to be criticizing it or asking critical questions even of it. Some of the public meetings became disrupted and descended into very unconstructive shouting matches. Would you agree that some of those meetings actually descend into into quite unpleasant public spats between factions? Yes, um, maybe just to say I have been part of uh, many public participation meetings, um, particularly around environmental impact assessments. So what I witnessed was nothing new to me. Also, um, for a mere fact that um, whenever, even if there were shouting spats or even if um, there were other people who didn't want to hear anyone opposing the project or asking because I think what what happened from our side, we were asking questions. We were not really opposing. Uh, we were not saying we are opposing mm. the project. You were asking the pertinent we, questions. We yes. were asking the questions based mm. on what has been presented on us. So at some of the public participation meetings, when issues around culture, when issues around traditions um, were raised, issues around cumulative impacts of what, if anything happens in the area, particularly that uh, the sacred sites are going to be destroyed, the baobao trees that are embedded in people's cultures and traditions were going to be uprooted, then I think that's when it made a bit of sense to those who were supporting the project. But you could see some people came in just to to support and not really asking the real questions. The other thing is that um, when people ask questions around water, um, people were told yes. about um, how water would be um, directed and how dams are going to be built. And people were saying, we don't have water now. Why has this not been done before for us to be able to access water? And these for are our some, needs, These yes, are the sum of um, yes. the, the questions that were not answered. Mm. And, and when questions were asked about the sacred sites, uh, that's going to be destroyed. The baobao trees, which 
don't only provide food, but also our sacred sites, mm. our heritage sites, in a sense that some of the forefathers, the elders are buried next to them. And uh, this I saw at one stage, those who were like uh, saying we're wasting time kept quiet. Mm. When, when those points were, were made, because that's a very highly traditional African traditional community. And to me, it showed that it's now dawning on people that this is just not a project that is going to provide jobs, but this is a project that has got really negative impact on people's lives, on people's um, spiritual belief systems, on people's cultures, and also on how people rely on the vegetation that is around the Vembe district, particularly mm. at uh, Legerlachwede, the site of the project is going to be. And um, one thing that came out also was that area was also called Mabani. That is an area where there were a lot of Mabani trees, mm. where people harvested Mabani. Yes. And the Mabani that came from there, it's quite different, tastier, not like the others. And um, these are some of the questions that people were asking if you uproot the Mabani tree, where are you going to take it? And people were linking to say, where there's Mabani trees, where there's Murula trees, where there's Baobao trees, where there's other herbs that people rely on. There's an ecological balance there. There's bits, there's ants, you know, a mm. number of animals that are also found in that place that are also part of people's totems. So if you take them off or they, they die, that is, you kind of uh, destroying people. You mm. kind of uh, pe- putting people's lives in demise. Mm. And um, there is no longer that connection with nature. And uh, if you go to the area of Venda, you'd see that when people um, come together, they congregate. All Before they do that, they would lie on the floor for connection with nature and lying on the floor to say we are part with of the nature. Earth, yes. And so being part of nature, that is why nature is protected there and people live off their natural environment and um, the issues of food security um, have been raised within the public participation meetings mm. and people were saying that means we are no longer going to enjoy our organic um, food uh, we are now going to rely on um, food that is not really in line with our own uh, diet and um, we may lose and um, our health will be greatly impacted by this project if it happens here. Because like I'm saying, the cumulative impact, people there live through micro um, agriculture. I mean, in most of the areas, most of the yards, there's a gardening, you know, people live off the land. And um, what sort of emissions, chemicals are going to come out of of of, of, of the special economic zone. So that would not only impact on, on their food system, but that would also impact on, on their health systems. Mm. I mean, the, uh, the impacts on, on, um, agricultural yields from acid rain, from this, from sulfur dioxide and these kind of pollutants that, that will 
basically saturate the air and soil and water um, resources of the it's, it's very it is very serious. And the other thing is, I think out of all the questions that we asked, there's one question that um, uh, people kept kept on asking if. Um, because this project is heavily backed up by the Chinese, whether the Chinese would allow their sacred sites, would allow um, protected trees um, and protected animals to, uh, like protected trees to be uprooted, protected animals to die in their in their country, and why would they want to do that in in South Africa? And um, there was one young, one young person who was saying, can the Chinese first start doing this in their own pristine biodiverse area rather than coming and doing it in Limpopo first? And that was so profound. Mm. That was so profound. But Makoma, to interrupt you there, the point what you're saying is this only really surfaced in the public participation process because of the questions that you asked, but when the information was presented by the EEP, it was a. I agree with you, highly technical. It's not a lot, and then with this heavily skewed assessment on the upside potential in terms of job opportunities and for the for the community. And if it weren't for the the fact that you detained it and raising these things, the community would have not been any better informed and you weren't able to attend every meeting everywhere. And that is why together with community-based organizations at Zomolamupo, Save Our Limpopo Environment, Earthlife Africa and Groundwork, we had to submit a judicial review because we feel that the process was not adequate. The process was um was kind of a tick box exercise mm. that this is a, a done deal, particularly that you, you would hear from the proponents of the project that, um, they are going to be starting to work like in two months time mm. when they were asked in three months time when they were asked, but the pro, the project has still stopped. And we feel that, um, if really this is what has happened with the MMSEZ, um, environmental impact assessment and public participation processes, that means there's a lot of rot in Limpopo. Um, the Limpopo Economic Development and, and Tourism uh, uh, Department. Environment and Tourism, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yes, that means there's a lot of rot. That means there's a lot of stuff that is happening that um, they take it as a done deal and with and and. By that, by doing that, they are violating their very mandate of protecting mm. the environment for for the current and the future generations. Mm. Thank you, Makoma, for that really comprehensive kind of um, overview on the public participation process in the context of the likely impacts of coal fueled industrial development on this scale in in that region. And I I think it might be a good opportunity for me to hand over the mic to Mpateleni. Mpateleni is uh, the founder of um, Dizomola Mupo, and her organization is basically a community-based um, grassroots organization that works to preserve and revive cultural practices and traditions, as well as food sovereignty, to touch on what we just raised, Mokoma, they're based in Nampopo province in the Vembe district and have worked to strengthen 
ecological governance in local communities through awareness of the value of indigenous forests, um, reviving indigenous seed banks, facilitating, encouraging intergenerational learning, rebuilding confidence in the value of the indigenous knowledge systems. I think as you already beautifully articulated, Makoma, the, both the Tsonga speaking people and, um, Vinda, cultural and spiritual practices are so deeply bound with nature, they can't really be separated. And Mpate has championed that cause for a long time. Her campaigning has been vigorously opposing the threat of mining, coal mining in the region, and more latterly, the coal-fueled industrial development. Thank you. In our Venda language, the Masiari, we are saying good afternoon. The EIA presentation through the public participation is not covering everybody. As you are asking about those who are outside, you go around here, it's not many who know about mm. the CEZ actions and reality of what they are doing. People who didn't attend the, the, the public participation, they only know that creation of jobs. It's a job creation. Job creation on top of what? That is unethical. As mm. a was speaking about the consent agreements. Who should attend the public participation? Yes, they put on the papers, they put online, they can say they put on the wall of post office or traditional leaders, those who technical English papers on the wall. Who knows about them? Who read? Because the community do not read those who Small sentences of not also not local language. How many people in Limpopo, in Inibayembe district? More than five million. How many are attending this public participation? How many of them are knowing? Did they sign that consent that their home birth rules should be put upside down? I've been there to this public participation. It's not the nation. It's the civil society. Is that decision and the agreement should be approved by the civil society. And the sad part of it, few chiefs, traditional leaders, whom when they go there, they go there after they have been in another meeting. I will raise voice and say it loudly. They come there and sit there and they just close their mouth while they have ancestral role because traditional leadership is an ancestral role. You don't go to university to be a traditional leader. Mm. And your customary law, even your own way of life, does not agree with what you see. 
is that is true. It does not. That's right. And as you say, the levels of awareness, even today, about the project is almost non-existent. The sheer fact that you've had um, interested and affected party registers that run to a couple of hundred people sums it up. Hardly anyone even knows about this and therefore haven't agreed to this. And Pate, can I ask your opinion then? There is a potential 20,000 jobs that will be created from the zone with zero binding obligations on the Chinese operator of the zone or the state-owned company to ensure that whatever proportion of those 20,000 jobs will be reserved for local community members or anything of that nature. In relation to the scale of the joblessness problem, even if all 20,000 jobs did go to local communities, can you give us a bit of insight into, from your perspective, the benefits to the community relative to the costs that will be borne by the communities in the Vembe of this development? Even those 20,000 jobs that are given the vendor people only, it will be like a drop of water in the sea. One clan in a families, different family, one family has more than 20,000 people. Mm. And vendor, the clans who are vendor, they are so many. 20,000 jobs does not even fit one clan. I'm not saying the tribe of Ravenda. I mean the clan. Mm. 20,000 jobs does not even fit the family, the family which built the clan. We are talking about the place where they want to do these industries and destroy the biodiversity, as they said, is biodiversity, the indigenous forest of Mulambiana, is more than 20,000 people. Even if those jobs can be given the Mulambiana alone, they cannot even accommodate the Mulambiana descendants. And those 20,000 jobs which they are saying, before we talk about the skills or what, even if they said even an educated person take it, here in vendor does not fit. It's like a drop of nail of water in the sea here in Venda. I couldn't agree with you more. It is not going to. It will be the cost of collapse, air pollution, noise pollution, not to air pollution and noise pollution to people only. Those 20,000 people who will get a wage or salary or stipend to that place, they are they are getting employed to collapse mm. the life. Life of everything from insect, from mobani worm up to the elephant. We can't allow us to sacrifice life at those 20,000 jobs. We are raising awareness. We will be called to talk about the special economic zone that is unethical, is a wrong agreement, is a thing which is manipulating people. This is the thing which is bringing co conflict in the 
community because yes they said they will get water from zimbabwe and they make communities to fight that those jobs will employ the people who are foreigners here this CSEZ is bringing conflict in our well-being in the rainbow biosphere where we are have enough we are resilient about our water we are resilient about our food security. We are resilient even in this hot climate change impact because we have trees. We have shades of mountains. We have a precipitation and the soil which bring the moisture that when it is hot, at night it cools and the morning it cools. We have little hours where we get heat and we can sit in the shade. But CSS is that is going to collapse everything, including our spirituality, sacred site, which is the source of rain, the sense of moisture, the sense of air to breathe. Our totems, which are the cultivators of the indigenous forest, were doing awareness, as I said in the beginning. But we cannot cover a door-to-door. Who should be there in the EIA presentation public participation? Because it is for the civil society and a few of them. Mm. That's unethical. I agree with you. And what you identify there, Mpate, is when the architects of the Messina Makata Special Economic Zone who cast themselves as these visionaries who will give rise to the coming century's Witwatersrand, built not on gold this time, but on coal and steel. They envision this vast metropolis that, that is going to be engineered on the back of the, the Chinese industrial zone, spanning the 60 square kilometers between what are now small towns of Mercado and Messina. You don't then take the scale of your ambition and your environmental impact assessment process and public participation process component of it is a quick checkbox exercise, 30 days notice for public comment and uh, three notices in an English newspaper. I, I, fundamentally, these two things are irreconcilable. And I think to, to sort of wrap up on a whole discussion, we should perhaps lift our field of vision for a minute and look at this whole, at the coal mining and industrial development plan of which the MMSEZ is the undergirding as essentially a land rights issue that to a not insignificant degree, it has precipitated a foreign land grab on an epic scale in the Vembe. You know, in my own research, I've understood that MC Mining, the company formerly Coal of Africa, that hold the rights to the to the coal resources of the Greater Serpentsburg coal fields, have tenements on over a hundred farms, extending across an area of a hundred thousand hectares in the Vembe. And when we look at the site of both the Veli Colliery and Mercado Colliery. Um, their two flagship projects where they have acquired the surface rights, they both extend across a, a good uh, 12 farms, 8,000 hectares um, in total, I think 7,000 for the Mercado Colliery site. And then we have that adjacent to the smelter site, to the energy metallurgical zone, which 
is another 8,000 hectares of land acquired from the Mulumbwani community. And what worried me above all is I'm going to quote something from the Mintech, that was the appointed specialist who conducted the economic rationale report for the EIA process. I'm quoting from their July 21 report. This is the motivating for the says. This is its rationale in um, economic terms. Um, I'm quoting from the, uh, the availability of land. In summary, the Messina Mercado site is the ideal location for the says in Limpopo province due to the following reasons. One, there is enough land, 8,000 hectares, to cater for the construction of factory space, development of bulk infrastructure and future expansion projects for the says. Two, the size of land available for development of the Messina Mercado says compares favorably with China's average says size. And three, the says land is owned by the community through the CPA and is comparatively cheaper than privately owned land. The designated land is currently undeveloped. It then goes on to present a little SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats grid, in which it restates that the key advantage of the says site is that it's community-owned and can be acquired cheaply. I mean, literally motivates for the says, provides as its economic rationale that we can exploit poor land-owning communities, communities who acquired their land as part of South Africa's land restitution process, who've only now had their rights to their land restored to them and have almost immediately surrendered them under this terms of a lease agreement um, with the government. And what really concerned me about all of that is that in the financial planning documents that were disclosed, there are two there are two financial models presented for the says. And in the first one, there's a cost of land acquisition um, line item where 720 million rand is budgeted to acquire the land, the 8,000 hectares, the eight farms from the Mulumbuani community. And the projected internal rate of return for the the IRR for the whole says project, which is based on a sort of farcical model of rents from the factory owners that the Chinese investors in the zone, is a miserable 18.8%. There's then a revision of the financial projections for the zone. And in that revision, cost of land acquisition is now nil. In brackets, will be leased. And the IRR jumps to 37.19%. And I was wondering, Makoma, if I can get your take um, on this whole issue, the extent to which the coal mining and the industrial zone are driving a land grab in the region and largely a foreign one. I think one thing that um, comes out of um, some of the facts that you've shared it becomes an emotional issue. It's actually the land issue has been an emotional issue for quite a long time. The community of Mulambiani were displaced during the apartheid era and uh, they were scattered around the area of Vembe and they regrouped and got their land back. And getting their land back and they had a vision, they had the plans and um, what we hear is that some of them still want to go back to their land. 
and because of um, the the discussions, some of them are underhand that are taking place. You find that people are unable to go back, and this community of Mulyambiani it's now divided. Mm. Divided in a sense that um, there are those who want to go back, and unfortunately, they are being suppressed by those who are saying, um, here's an opportunity that our land can be used. But what sort of contracts, agreements are there? Is this just a once-off payment? And from what you've just listed now, it looks like um, advantage is being taken mm. of a community that may not have the sophisticated knowledge of um, doing uh, these contracts, sophisticated knowledge of knowing, um, or, or also of having had learned of what may have ensued in other cases where this kind of agreements or where this kind of buying of people's land has happened. And I feel that um, if ever this is the situation, people are going to be shortchanged. And uh, being shortchanged, it also has contributed to a greater division of a clan, of a people that really are saying we want to go back. There are those that are saying there's no ways that we can sell the land after we fought so hard for. And they fought so hard. Mm. I mean, going through court cases, uh, doing land restitutions, applications, it's quite a lot of time. And they were doing it as a combined, as a united uh, clan. And when they got that, they celebrated. But then, poo, come this. And now they are divided. And this is where some of the issues from the public participation meetings were arising, that those who feel that uh, the CPA has taken a right decision, which is being contested by others to say we didn't give a mandate mm. for the CPA to do that. So it has caused further divisions. And um, you could, uh, I mean, we could feel um, when brother against sister cousins, you know, were like at each other's throat mm. because of the MMSZ. So this is this has also brought a lot of disunity amongst the people. And I think that this is the greatest disrespect from a government department institutions that should know much better about this. The land questions were asked in the EIA uh, processes that um the land has been um the land is the Malombani clan land and um how what are the agreements around the land because people want to go back. And the response was there has been discussions with the community property association and uh, those discussions are at um at a at a, at a higher level. So it meant that um because the people are divided, there's a part of the CPA that is facilitating and there's a part of members of the CPA that are saying, no, this cannot happen. And um, this also has divided young people. But I want to say just generally to say this is the greatest disrespect 
to Malambani people. And if that goes ahead, that means it creates a precedence mm. in other areas where the very same advantage would be taken to people who do not have sophisticated information around how this leases, these contracts, um, these agreements are made. It really is distressing, as you say, even the the whole the whole thing. And I think it's worth stressing. Actually, by the way, CPA for um, the uninitiated refers to community property associations. And in other words, the governing um, body of the entity that would have contracted with the Limpopo Provincial Government Agency um, to lease the land is what McCormick was referring to there. But I think it's worth mentioning as you talk about this with this, this disrespect of people around the, the this core and, as you say, highly emotive land issue is that, you know, a special economic zone, the premise is, is that we're going to create these heavily subsidized industrial zones to attract, in particular, foreign direct investment in manufacturing. You know, these we're trying to create these little paradise islands for foreign business, okay, where you dangle a lot of sweeties that are paid for from the public purse. There's all the tax breaks that are granted and I say and all this funding of dedicated infrastructure for the industrial activities that will be conducted in there, the power supply, water supply, um, transport infrastructure to export, uh, um, the, the, the output and import the raw materials are all what we offer. And in this case, um, it is a Chinese development that has been done under the the Belt and Road Initiative and the Forum on China-Africa Capacity Cooperation, Production Capacity Cooperation. This Messina Mercado economic zone is also under the control of a foreign corporate, also Chinese. The Chinese operator Shenzhen Hoimor has near unfettered control of the zone and including of environmental regulatory compliance, contrary obviously to their own interest, so it really is a complete loss of sovereignty, um, not just at the level of, a, of the, uh, the community that owns the land, the Mulumbwani, but even at a national level for South Africa, you've created this sort of sovereign Bermuda Triangle where the laws of the land and the taxes don't apply and all the benefits accrue to foreign interests, where the, the profits are going to be repatriated to um, foreigners will be left with the pollution of our soil, our air, our water, our depletion of our resources, starting with coal, I suppose, and ending with water. Um, and the benefits that accrue to us are, are minimal to say the least. And from the point of view of the actual, um, communities whose, whose land they've ceded to this and have lost access to it and who will suffer its degradation, the, the price is immense. And the exploitation of people who had no other economic opportunities available to them and no capital to develop their land, it's, it's, um, it is almost criminal, I'd say. Um, Pati, I'd be interested in, in your take on this whole land issue in the context of the coal mining as well as, as the industrial zone. That's why we will go back to emphasize that what is happening is unethical. It's not allowed. It is not allowed. We have been struggling with coal of Africa and the public participation that the EIA expect. They come and listen to the communities and we say the impact is the same which we are seeing now to this 
as easy as that. They're very minute. The impact is the same which we have explained. Just to provide some context for listeners who might not be familiar with um, the, the actors here, MC Mining is uh, coal of Africa draped in a new skin. Um, MC Mining, who, as I mentioned, hold the rights to the um, to the Greater Serpentsburg Coalfields deposits, um, has rebranded um, from Coal of Africa and uh, Veli Colliery that Mpati is uh, referring to, is the is there uh, the first of the collieries that has been operationalized, um, and it's located literally five kilometers from the boundary of the Mapungubwe National Park and within the boundary of the, the Great Transfrontier Conservation Area. Those people who are from China, as you said, the China, they don't have a respect to us, the people of South Africa. And they have a deep respect to us, Ravenda, especially Ravenda. The place where they are insisting, insisting after they see that they are making a problem in our world. We are explaining to them if they can listen. The place which they want to continue to go further with that is the place where the very, very old ancestors are. Sting. And the spirit of Venda is not happy with you. We are the people of the spirit. We are the people of the sacred side. We are the people of the indigenous origin. We have been saying very aloud that the call of Africa is wrong there. We have been saying aloud, fellow mining is wrong. Even as is that, it's still wrong. It's the same thing which we are talking about. Destruction of this area, they are sacred right there. They are graves of our ancestors there. It's our heritage. It's the place where we get medicine. We don't get healed by the medicines which come from the other area alone. Our healing is rooted on the space where our ancestors have originated. Our well-being, livelihoods, which is in this forest, livelihoods, which are in the soil here, the China people. This is what makes us to have well-being. Depriving the forest to continue to be indigenous with its oldest trees, with the resting spaces of our ancestors. You are collapsing us. It's unethical. Go back to look at the coal of Africa. Very mining. It's still the same thing. And where you want to make the SEZ, it's not many kilometers from Vere. It's not many kilometers from the area where you do coal. You, the other people planted the coal of Africa, Mudimeri area, is the same mountains. The area, when you see it there, it holds the well-being. That's what we can say strongly, strongly, strongly. It's not us who are speaking alone. It's our ancestors who are saying, you who are above the soil, and who are still in physical 
tell these people is wrong. It's unethical to the government also to allow these people to still do that. They should have warned them that what they're saying is the same thing which you are making the community to suffer through the call of Africa, through the very mining which is in our heritage, world heritage place. Mapungu will be a world heritage place. This is the very mining was happening. That is unethical. We can't go to China and destroy your, your places there. And the government officials who are saying, hey, people will get jobs, will get jobs. You are saying because you don't know. Even the EI people who even agree with us to force, to force that it is like this, we are water expect, we are biodiversity expect. We have seen it, the grave is only 17. You are unethical even in your consciousness. We cannot argue by other things. We are saying that that is any ethical unethical. It starts from there. It's unethical to come and disturb people who are becoming resilient in climate change. It is very, they can describe, yes, it's emotional, but we are saying it seriously, seriously that what you are doing is very, very, very wrong. Thank you, Mpate. I think basically what you raise is that there are some very fundamental questions that need to be asked about foreign investment in inverted commas in South Africa when it rather more accurately resembles foreign exploitation of our resources, foreign ownership of land, loss of sovereignty to foreign corporates aided and abetted by our own government, who sold them popo, garage sale of our resources without, that took place way back in 2014 when these agreements were signed before any of us had a say in what happens to our own birthright. All right, I think I'm going to hand over the mic one last time to you for a concluding point. Thank you for this conversation, Lauren. And I think um, we need to have more of this as part of updates of what is happening. I would like to pay tribute to two people. I would like to pay tribute to Wallace Kjols, who was a leader of uh, the Save Our Limpopo Environment, the mark he had made. And it's not only on the, the Musina Makaro Special Economic Zone. His heart was uh, in saving the Limpopo environment. I also would like to pay tribute to Sam Mulawuzi, who was part of the, Mulawu, uh, the, the Mulambani people. And uh, unfortunately, both of them are late. And uh, he's one of the people who was at the forefront with the other grouping of the Mulambani people that were saying we want to go back to our land. We can use our land um, uh, fruitfully. Um, we go back to either our ancient ways of living, which is something that I think we can learn a lot from today. And uh, he, he had implanted this imagination on all of us where working with him, walking with him to say this we need an alternatives to this Musina Makado. And so I would say, whatever happens, we should not forget Wallis Gulch, a friend, a father, a lover. We should not forget Semmo Lauzi, a friend, a father, a lover, and lovers of nature, both of them. And um, that's how I would end this, that we should continuously 
um, remember them, but also the young people that are standing up, the young people that are speaking out, the young people that are saying we cannot witness our mupo being destroyed in our eyes, the young, the, the women who are saying it is our duty to protect our sacred sites, uh, the elders that are actually continuously sharing stories of how beautiful it was living in Mulambiani before they were displaced and who are yearning to go back and sharing this valuable ancient wisdoms with everyone around them. Let's continue with our fight. Protecting the environment is not a crime. As we always say, and will continue with the journey of protecting our environment. Thank you. Thank you. Mpate, last words? What is happening about the SEZ is unethical, it's wrong. Thank you. Powerful words. Well, it's been a really interesting discussion. If actually somewhat, my blood pressure has actually been raised <laughs> dangerously high, as it invariably is whenever I spend some time discussing this fraught topic. And uh, I just like to throw out there for listeners whose interest has been piqued that you can find a great deal more information about the opposition um, to this development, the alternative development uh, framework that those of us who are involved in this campaign are trying to advocate for um, and just generally kind of uh, sources of information and contacts you can go to both Earthlife Africa's website earthlife.co.za and to Living Limpopo's which is livinglimpopo.org um, and we hope that there will be further opportunities to explore this we could let's be honest talk about it all day thanks very much Thank you for listening to Just Us and the Climate, a production of the Climate Justice Coalition. To find out more about the coalition and our work to advance climate justice, visit climatejusticecoalition.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it widely. The more people it reaches, the more we can help grow the movement for climate justice. This podcast is made possible thanks to the financial support of the Open Society Foundation. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.